So hi everyone, welcome to the Failed Rockstar Club podcast. Podcast that talks about music, mental health and fashion. Um, I've kind of changed it around season two where I put the, the intro right at the beginning. So mm-hmm. Makes sense. So I've changed it So because um, I've run out of words to run with club. Um, <laughs> who'd, have thought, who'd have thought that feature would ever die? I know. Um, so Jess, before we get cracking, I want mm. to... Do a tradition mm-hmm. that I like to call or ask, who are we, where are we, and where can you find us, please? Okay, well, we are me, uh, Jez, Jeremy, Peter Dixon, no BA honours. You are Stephen Robert Hurdle, some BA honours, a few BA honours. We're here in the room at the top of our warehouse... Uh, in Manningtree, the very much the Prague of uh, mm. Essex. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a big hotspot for uh, stag do's, Manningtree. Yep. Where it will be. We've got a lovely river. Yeah, a lo- uh, Wynall. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Which says a uh, wildlife park and two medieval towers. Is that Miss Lee? Yeah, that's Miss Lee. Oh, so big and cheap booze. Yeah. So, important. Uh, anyway, I've got distracted. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're in the hot room where we dry all the clothes for our vintage clothes in Paul uh, Best Days Vintage. Okay. Does that explain everything? Is that yeah. all your questions answered? Always, yeah. yeah. Um, so today we um, we have a special guest. Um, her name... Hello, hello, Mel. <laughs> hello, hello, Steve. Hello, Jess. Hey. Um, this is um, Mel Skeet. And Mel is a um, long-time listener, first-time caller... <laughs> To the podcast. Um, I always wanted to say that, didn't you? Yeah. Um, you approached us, didn't you, Mel, uh, just before Christmas? I did. Because you, I don't know why, but you've been listening to the podcast <laughs> on a regular. <laughs> and, um, and you basically made it made us realise that we don't talk enough about mental health in our podcast that talks about music, mental health, <laughs> and fashion. It's the second thing we say. Yeah, well, I've noticed that you quite often at the end of your podcast would say, well, we didn't really talk about mental health very much today. Yeah, it's become so a thought... catchphrase in itself, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I um, thought it might be fun to, to do um, something where you've know got more of a mental health focus. Yeah, I think that... I think it's um, a very good idea. Yeah, and I would like to... Um, I've got a few ideas to kind of do a little bit more of that um, as season two progresses. So, um, I will... We are going to um, focus in on you, Mel, as we get on. Um, okay. But to introduce you and to get everyone kind of rolling for the week um i want to ask both you mel and you jez oh yeah and me steve um which member of you two would you be friends with and why you can just say the singer or the drummer if you want (laughs) mel okay jez okay jez give you time to think jez Mm, i've always been an edge man myself yeah Yeah. because you like to keep your edge (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to maintain my edge at all times. Yeah. I think he's the real brains behind you two, and I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. Okay. I think uh, Bonio gets a lot of the... Plaudits. A lot of the plaudits yeah. and all the exposure, and the edge is the real uh, genius in that band. Do you think he's the one That's genius? That's what I'm you think, he's a, you think he's a... You think he's the song... Is he the songwriter? Yeah. Mm. Often the, the best ones, aren't yeah. they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's just. I don't, I don't know if he writes all the songs. I, th- I mean, I think he collaborates with uh, Bono. Bono. Well, he did invent um, classic Coke, right? The he guitar invented, riff. He invented the electric guitar. Not yeah. many people know that. Yeah. <laughs> and the pedals. He yeah. invented pedals. That kind of ding, 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 kind of yeah. idea, the sound, and he called, he named That's it classic Coke. And that is quite an iconic. It's like Johnny Marvin Smiths, right? It's like certain guitarists have an iconic kind of sound that goes with. Yeah. He calls it his classic Coke sound. Yeah. I guess he doesn't do it very often anymore. No. Well, if you listen, when was the last time you listened to you? Anything new, probably yeah. you mm. Did you listen to that one that got put on your iPod without you asking? No. No, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> that trick didn't work, did it? No. Anyway, yeah. The, to sum up, the edge. The edge is for you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Mel. Uh, which member um, of you two would you be friends with and why? Well, to be honest, I only really know Bono and the Edge. Oh. So so I'm going to go with Bono. Okay. And um, I have no idea if he's a nice guy or not. Do you? Mm, we've heard stories, haven't we? Which I won't... 
<laughs> I would say on the podcast, but a friend of ours who's in a band, I won't name him, I don't want to stitch him up because I know he's a big U2 fan, but he's heard, he's heard stories about Bono and what he gets up to. You know, right, it's not... Okay. But he's I, got I think some... fair play to him if he's yeah, getting up for that. Yeah, the stories we heard, I, I would, yeah, highly I recommend. <laughs> I recommend to a friend. But we'll talk about it off air. Okay. Well, I do like, um, I like Inhaler, which is the band of his uh, his kid, oh. um, Elijah Houston. Oh. oh, okay. I didn't know. So, even if Bono does, it turns out to be a bit of a git, hmm. his son might be quite nice. Yep. Okay. And. Um, what, what yeah. do they sound like, his son's band? Exactly like you too. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> but not as good. But it's kind of early, early U2. Early U2. Without, yeah. without the edge, so but, no yeah. songs. <laughs> yeah. His, his son's really pretty. Oh. He's, he's a real pretty Irish-looking guy. Okay. okay. He, looks, he looks kind of like Bono, but better looking. So he's got his mother's, mm. his mother's looks, I assume. Maybe, yeah. I've never, yeah. never really been drawn to Bono's looks. No. No, no. The edge. You're like a hat man, aren't you? You're a, hat, you're a fellow hat man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Your man intrudes the edge. Maybe it's the hats. Yeah. <laughs> but he's he's more of a beanie guy. No, right I was going to say the edge, but I've changed my mind now because of that, and I'm going to go the drummer, <laughs> the drummer. Uh, because I no one ever knows what he's called. Um, Alan Partridge. I do. Uh, I, I know his first name. Um, I, Alan Partridge made of uh, an excellent gag towards that back in the day. Um, so yeah, the drummer is Foyne. Just to give him his props, it's Larry, Larry. Mullen, Larry Mullen Jr. Ah, oh, Larry. I was going to say Larry. Mm. Larry Mullen. There aren't. There aren't really all that many bands where every single member is a household name. No, that's true. Oh, no. Yeah, that's something that we're trying to rectify. Because I think Larry, Larry <laughs> could probably walk around the street. Absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think what I like about, to be fair actually in all seriousness what I do like about Larry is he's not a showboater no he's, he's exactly a, what that band needs he's solid. a solid mm. he lets Bono do his thing lets Yedge do his thing and he just him and Adam Clayton who was also for him um, <laughs> yeah. they just hold it together and to be fair in a band like U2 that's probably what they need because you can't have four members of the band all being showboaters yeah when you're putting on a pup concert yeah yeah <laughs> um, okay so um as um, regular listeners may realise, Mel, um, often, um, well, at the moment, season two, it turns out we're quite big in Russia. Yeah. Um, which is a, a surprise to me as it is to you, I'm sure, and to Jez. And funnily enough, I've had an email come through from a regular Russian listener who got, who got into us until the end of season one has been spreading the word. Her name is Vasilisa. Ooh. Yeah? Yeah. Made up name. Yeah, it's worked. No, she's um, it's actually quite a common name apparently. Well, she didn't say this, but I have to ask my wife, and she said, "Oh yes, it is. It's a Russian fairy tale name." I went, "Oh, really? Interesting." So Vasilisa has emailed in. Again, I'm really sorry for the break in English, but we had to Google translate it, and but it's a question for Jez actually. Funnily enough. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, we here in Great Russia State love some. Of your English music. Mm-hmm. Some. I love your Beatles, your Kooks, and your Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> well, I'm not sure what she's done there. We but can't take credit for Bruce. No, that's what I said. But you know. um, So she wants to know, Jez, what music from Great Russian State do you love and in West and why? Ooh. It's a I good question. Big Does she Russian... mean Bruce Forsyth? We can take credit for him. Yeah, she said Springsteen, but she, <laughs> she, she might, might have meant Forsyth. Yeah. Uh, so what music, music from Great Russia States do you love, Jez, in okay. West and why? Well, I like the, that little song that is on the Tetris <laughs> computer game. Yeah. Da, 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 da. I don't need to sing it, you know it in yeah. Russia. i tell you what, actually, there is a Russian band who were like shoegazing. I'm pretty sure they're called Pink Shiny Ultra Blast. Okay. And they were sort of making waves. They were playing them on Six Music maybe two, three years ago. Yeah. And I... I Got a tip from mm. Six Music and I listened to them. They were really good. Okay. So Pink Shiny Ultra Blast. A tattoo. Are they Russian? Yeah. I'm not sure they're an ongoing concern. Concerned. So that'd be tattoo were Russian. I think they split up. Well, they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Murdered by the Russian state for being uh, lesbians. No, I, don't, I think they were fake lesbians. Okay. And so 
I think it all ended in scandal. Oh. The tattoo. But okay. I think you've just named the two Russian <laughs> the two Russian oh. that we know. Okay. Well she wanted three, but we're gonna take oh. uh, the only other Russian man I can think of are Pussy Riot. Oh yeah. But I don't know any of their music, just no, their um, I haven't heard. their newsworthiness. Yes. Do you know Mel- any, any Russian bands? No, I was just going to say, Pussy, uh, Pussy Riot are the only ones I've heard of, but mm. again, I don't know what they sound like. I just have mm. seen them on TV getting arrested. Paulina Cub... Oh, yeah. Uh, we had we interviewed our second podcast, our third podcast. We interviewed, uh, interviewed a Russian musician. That's true. Paulina Kabazon. Yep. Yeah. So okay, so she came up with this. Look her. Yeah, I haven't yeah. heard that one yet. Yeah, she's um, she's like it's like really early days um, in the podcast world. So it's well worth listening to that one actually. If you if you're a fan mm. in Russia, we actually had a Russian musician on. So there you go. Possibly why we got so popular in Russia. Um, so um, before uh, we speak to you, Mel, I want to um, just ask you a couple of questions so that um, listeners can get to know you. Okay. Um, if you are don't we playing mind. this or that? Yeah. Yes. A quick game of this. It's called this or that. So okay. well, we're going to read out two two things, whatever they might be, and I need you to tell me which one of you like most, okay? Yeah. So, this or that. Um, TV or radio? Mm, radio. Netflix or Amazon Prime? Amazon Prime. Train or car? Um, car. Beach or swimming pool? Swimming pool. Cats or dogs? Cats. Ooh, wrong. <laughs> um, Beatles or Rolling Stones? Rolling Stones. North or South? Ooh, that's a tough one. South. South. Mm. Are you from the North then? Have you got a bit of North in you? Yeah, I'm from um, a place called Saddleworth, which is in Greater Manchester. Oh, yeah. And how long have you been down here for then? Um, I moved to London, well, yeah, I, I grew up there, then I went to Leeds University, then I moved to London um, in 1989, and I haven't been back up north to live since then, so, so I've been down here a long time, but I've lived in Colchester about 20-something years, 22 years, 23 years. Oh, and was that because of your husband's job, or your job, or another reason? Or? Um, what, that we moved to Colchester? Yeah, why Colchester, yeah. Yeah, we we had our first baby in London, and then we wanted to move out of London just to get somewhere bigger to live that we could afford. And um, we we knew some a couple of friends that lived in Colchester, and we came over here, decided we it was it would do, and uh, <laughs> and we moved out here. Yeah, so my husband did do a commute commute into London for about sixteen years. Ooh. Yeah, he was on that train every day going to the city. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, when I moved, I didn't. I stopped working for a long time. Okay, well, so you doing childcare? So are you looking after the family, the the kids? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you are a you're a school counsellor, right? Um, at the Royal Grammar Sorry. School. And yeah. Let's check. Just as a school. So yeah. Um, so um, looking after boy. Yeah, you kind of work with um, mainly boys between eleven and sixteen, and also six formers, boys and girls, right? That's right, yeah. So how did you get into counselling in the first... How did you get into this this world? Um, the short answer is I was inspired by a book. Um, so, yeah, I, I started reading this book. It's just quite a long time ago now, and it's um, it was an old book. It's called The Road Less Travelled. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. it and um, it's written by a psychiatrist who's called M. Scott Peck. And he writes about his um, work with his clients. And this was kind of a new a new thing for me, this whole sort of idea that you could um, help people just by talking to them. Because he, he didn't really write much about the medical side of psychiatry. It was all about sort of um, talking therapies. So I, I thought this was pretty amazing. And... Um, at the time, I was just trying to find something else to do. I'd, I'd had a long time out of being in the job market. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd actually had, so, you know, your failed rock stars. I was actually mm. a, f- a failed um, shop assistant because I tried <laughs> to get a job at Marks and Spencer's <laughs> and um, didn't get it. This is, you know, I was trying to find something to do because my kids were just getting a bit older. They were coming to the end of their time at um, primary school. 
And I thought, yeah, I just need to go out and get a job. Um, it's just something, you know, nice and simple, nice and easy. So I applied for this job at M&S and didn't get it, and it was just such a massive blow to my ego. Yeah. <laughs> it, made me, um, it made me stop and think, well, instead of just, you know, some kind of crappy job, maybe I should actually retrain and do something proper. So, yeah, and I like the idea of helping people, but and I think I am sort of kind of mostly a caring person, but I really didn't want to go into doing anything that involved physical care. You know, I didn't want to be wiping anyone's bottom or... You know, feeding them with a spoon. Mm-hmm. Understandable. So I thought, yeah, so I looked into psychiatry to start mm. with, and then I realised you'd have to have um, a medical degree. And I thought, you know, with a family, I, I don't know if I can actually train and become a medic, and would I want to be doing training for that many years anyway? You know, by the time I qualified, I've been really old. So, <laughs> so yeah, so the, the sort of, you know, a few steps down from psychiatry, you've got counselling, so... But, you know, the, the basic idea is, is the same, that you can, uh, you can help people just by, just by talking to them, which is kind of pretty amazing. And, and listening, I guess, as oh. much as talking. Yeah, not, not just talking, yeah. <laughs> Do you, um, because obviously um, you work mainly with boys, right, but also you do with girls. Do you think there's a difference between girls and boys with their mental health? Like, is there, is there literally like a gender difference or is it everyone the same issues or...? I think the issues are pretty much the same, but, you know, there is research to say that teenage girls have worse mental health on the whole than teenage boys. Um, but yeah, just in the sort of population of kids that I work with, it's not really that obvious if that's true or not. Okay. I think a lot of time, maybe boys perhaps do just suffer in silence as well, whereas girls are maybe a bit more inclined to, to ask for help. So if you if you do get like a lad kind of come into you, you know there's probably something that's probably wrong there because to have for him to make that sort of decision is probably quite a big big deal. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, same with girls as well. Okay. Though you know, I think that it takes a lot of courage to actually approach someone and and to actually make that first step of of asking for an appointment to yeah. to go and talk to someone. That's the thing I, I found when I did my, when I went down that road. I think that the hardest bit was the first bit, was working up the yeah. courage to phone the doctors in my case and say, "Yeah, I need to probably get sort something out here," um, because you yeah. can just put it off and you can say, oh, "I'm not that bad," or you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, or yeah, it's all right today, or actually no, I'll leave that till tomorrow. Keep putting it and putting yeah. it off, which maybe I think it's a cool thing with schools now that they actually yeah. have this kind of option for someone who's on site and schools. Yeah, I don't actually know of any Colchester school, secondary schools that don't have a school counsellor. And is that a relatively modern thing, or has that been happening for a long time and I just haven't noticed? Like having a counsellor... You, know, you know, some of the bigger schools, like Philip Morant and Stanway School, I think they've been set up with school counselling and, you know, really good pastoral care for, for ages. Um, the school where I work, it's much more of a recent thing, only sort of the last six or seven years. Okay. Um, I think there was one school counsellor before me, but I don't think he was there for all that long. But I've been there since 2016. So, yeah, it is, I think it's, you know, relatively recent. And are you, you're the only, the only counsellor in the s- school? Yeah, at that school, yeah. But um, there's about a thousand, maybe just a bit under a thousand kids there. And it's, it's mostly the sixth formers that I see. Okay. There's about 300 and something of them. And they make up my my biggest sort of um, proportion of my clients. Is it, uh, did they come to you independently or is it something like teachers will say to the students that they think that they should go and see you or how, how, does, how does it work? Um, it's a bit of a mixture. There is a sort of proper referral pathway but that seems to kind of not always get used. But for the boys in the lower school, so the, the ones that are younger than sixth form, they are meant to... Um, um, sort of contact maybe some some you know one of the teachers that they trust and then the teacher will then contact me. Mm-hmm. But um, in sixth form, quite often they're confident enough just to email me on the school email and then they can, you know they can set their own appointments up. And do you, are you? That sounds a bit weird, but are you inundated? Like are you like crazy busy with this, or are, is it like or is it manageable? Like I is it out of control? Like poor mental health of young people? Do you think? 
Um, in terms of my workload, I'm actually less busy since lockdown. Okay. Um, but that's not because of lack of people wanting to have counselling. I think it's just that a lot of people don't really like um, doing this kind of thing. So they're kind of just waiting, really, till I can see them face to face. So that's same with adults and, and young people. Um, so I've actually got a little bit more, more time on my hands than I, I did before lockdown. But I think generally for everybody, no matter you know who we are, probably our mental health is worse with lockdown than it than it is when we're just in normal life. So how have you had to adapt then to your role? Like are you communicate obviously you're communicating via Zoom, but yeah. are you having to adapt the way you you work as a counsellor when you're not properly face to face? Is it difficult? Um yeah, I think you have to be a bit more creative. So depending on just how locked down we are, I've just um I've been trying some different things. So I've got some clients that I see by Zoom or Microsoft Teams. Um, some that I just talk to on the phone. Um, there's other ones where we try and sort of have an email conversation that just is like a few messages each day. And, you know, when we weren't quite as locked down as we are now, I was seeing some of my clients out in my garden at home, um, in the garden at school. That was one of them. If, you know, if there was enough privacy and there weren't, weren't people around, um, and I've done a couple of uh, sort of walking and talking sessions outdoors as well, where you just meet someone outside and we walk around, you know, just on the street or in a, in a park and uh, and talk there. But you know, obviously, privacy can be an issue, and uh, yeah, people are not. You know, to some extent, it's only doing things like that. It's okay for kind of maintenance, if you know, if if, I, if I've already met someone and. Um, they're not, you know, they're not having to sort of dig really deep and tell me something that's very, very personal. Um, so yeah, I can kind of keep keep people just sort of jogging along by doing those sorts of things. But yeah, I really miss having a proper sort of opportunity to sit in a in a, a room with four, you know, four walls and a, a closed door. And yeah. uh, I think that's the, you know the sort of environment where people, most people, feel more comfortable to be more open. Mm-hmm. Do you? Um... Do you um, are, do, do young people have like is it like a regular issues or is it going to be anything or do you see a reoccurring theme with like your your patients? That's what I was going to ask. Was it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even oh, write right. that down. Well, that's just... <clears throat> um, yeah, I don't call them patients because I'm not okay, a medical sorry. practitioner, so I call them clients. Clients. Um, but by far the the you know the the biggest sort of problem that I see in terms of the numbers of people with that problem is anxiety. So I'd say probably at least 50% of my clients um, are coming to see me because of anxiety or anxiety is like quite a big part of what they're going through. But yeah, I mean, school counselling, it can actually be about about anything. So, um, you know, a lot of it is anxiety and stress. And at the grammar school, a lot of it's... um, driven by sort of competition and exams Um, so that's you know in some ways that that particular environment isn't fantastically healthy I think for a lot of people Um, is it because it's like pressure pressure from family to succeed or pressure on themselves or peer pressure it's probably a bit of both I think it's yeah I think a lot of a lot of the kids that I see they put a huge amount of pressure on themselves okay so um a few of them have got parents pressurising them, but that's much less common than for them to pressurise themselves. But, um, yeah, I think they, they do place really high expectations on themselves. But then they probably get a bit of it from, from um, teachers as well, because teachers are under pressure to make their kids, their pupils perform. So Grades, grade, like off well, you know, Even if they're trying not to be like that, I think it, that kind of, you know, gets picked up by their students. Um do you think but yeah, would... you know, you can come across anything there in school counselling. It could be, you could be seeing someone for bereavement, or um, you know, it might be something like an eating disorder or OCD or you know, anything really. So I know I realise there's various levels of anxiety, and it comes in different different forms. But what would you say is like the sort of best practical advice that you give for people suffering from that? Um. I don't know if I can answer that very quickly. 
because um, it all depends on the person, so, right. you know. So you'd have to kind of explore what it was that they were anxious about. Um, the, I, I use the kind of therapy that um, Steve said he had, which is CBT. So um, well, I do other things as well, but I think for anxiety, CBT is probably the best option. So um, a lot of it's about trying to um, get people to do th- things differently. So in anxiety, there's quite often a, an element of needing to do some kind of almost like exposure therapy where you, you do the thing that makes you anxious okay. um, rather than avoiding it. Mm-hmm. And then you can also you also work on your thought processes as well. And do you look back, like when I did mine, um, we looked at triggers um, and yeah childhood experiences for for me it was like looking at childhood experiences and early life experiences and then trigger points and then learning what those trigger points are to then be able to kind of manage those things mentally to which affected my anxiety and depression yeah i mean you don't always have to go back and look at people's um, childhood experiences and when i'm working at school i only usually get six sessions with somebody yeah yeah. so you have to kind of do do whatever you can do in six sessions and it, it might not necessarily mean, you know, digging that deep back no, yeah, into your can't. into your childhood. Why but, is it only six you know, sessions? For them, their childhood's not that, that bit nearer. Yeah. And why That's is true. it that only... Yeah, right. <laughs> um, they can actually remember that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why would you say it's only six sessions then, Mel, and not... Um, and if it goes... If you feel like they need to go longer, then do you have to refer them to, like doctors um, and that sort of stuff and yeah often mine usually, usually sometimes i can beg for one or two more sessions with them from school yeah um but yeah if it's something that's that's not getting better after six sessions then the options are um usually send them to the gp and see what they can get on the nhs yeah. there's um what used to be called cams which is it was child and adolescent mental health services and it, in in our area it's now called youms which is emotional well-being and mental health services. So that's the sort of NHS provision. So yeah, sometimes people can get seen fairly quickly yeah. with that. Because six um, sessions is not. Stop me if I'm wrong, but in my experience, like I don't think I really touched the surface after six sessions. Like it took a while to kind of like kind of get through things and figure things out and like almost like i mean i know the woman that i was dealing with she said that a lot of like the behavioral therapies are kind of like a little bit shorter on the nhs as well but i was like doing like a deep dive one and i think i did like 16 sessions or something yeah that's really good that they they gave you 16 sessions Uh, yeah Um, she was training you can still do some useful stuff in six sessions Yeah, yeah Maybe it would have been different. My experience might have been different then if we only had knew we had six sessions. It might have been like a kind of like a quicker process, maybe. Because she knew she had those long period of sessions that um, yeah. that she could kind of like do a deep delve. Yeah, like take longer to kind of get to things. Yeah, and if someone turns up with a, a long shopping list of problems, then yeah. and I've only got six sessions to work with them, you just have to sort of maybe pick one that's yeah. the, you know that is the most. Um, troubling one so do kids then if after six sessions if they go away can they go and rebook in the future how does that does that work like that or is it like you're done after six uh no i think it's about six i think it's six sessions per term something like that so oh, I see. Yeah. so quite often i do see some of the same same students that come back you know year after year mm-hmm. or term after term but yeah so it's it's usually you know unless they're just about to leave school it's usually not uh not a very definite ending, not a final okay. ending. I'm with you, yeah. Um, so, how is it, would you say, if you're like a young person listening to this and you're like worrying about your mental health, is how would they know if it's time for them to talk to someone? Or because, you know, like we, I don't know, like I always always say this, like you're a number, like you're like, 10 is like, you're like absolutely ecstatic. One is like proper in the doldrums, but most people kind of sit around five, six. Very rarely do they kind of go up to your eights or nines. But like, so that's kind of like a way we kind of like worked. But how would you know if a young person listening would know it's time to maybe like book an appointment or how, is there a trick, like points they would like reference to that? Um, well, there's, you know, there's no sort of set rule for these things. But I think that if you ask yourself the question, 
is there something bothering me that's actually affecting my life um, on a regular basis? Um, or I've just been feeling generally crap for quite, you know, say a month or more, then it might be time to, you know, seek some extra help. But, you know, you can have, you can have things where you, you're, most of your life is actually going quite well, mm-hmm. but you might just have difficulty in one or two areas. And, and you, you know, you're actually functioning quite well. Yeah. But, for example, if you have someone who is um, maybe in the early stages of getting an eating disorder, they might f- feel like, well, I don't really need to do anything about this. All I need to do is um, stop eating lunch at school and stop going out if people invite me to go out for a pizza. Yeah. But... You know, after a while, if you realise that I'm doing this thing all the time, I'm never eating out, I'm, I'm avoiding to situations where I have to eat, then, you know, that although the rest of your life might actually be working quite, functioning quite well, if you know that there's something like that that's a regular problem and it's just not going away. You might recognise me from my collaborations with Radiohead and Stephen Hawking. I actually did a lot of his heavy lifting for him. Anyway, I'm here to tell you about Best Days Vintage. If you like sustainable vintage fashion, feel-good prints and positive well-being, then they're the guys for you. Visit them at 40 Elf Lane, Colchester, or online at bestdaysvintage.co.uk. Peace out, mother crushers. And I think, yeah, good, to, good time to, to, um, to go and get some extra input for it. And one of the things that we we've spoken about in the past as well is like I suppose the other side of the coin is like if you, if you're worried about your friend, right? It's like as a friend, is there is there something you can do that um, to help out the the struggling friend? Like we've done we've done a couple of mail outs in the past about it, and like kind of like hints and tips, and like like how to kind of like treat a friend who's struggling with their mental health, how to act around them, how to yeah. deal with that because that's quite hard as well, isn't it? Like for like the friends of someone like. Yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, I think you've got sort of a couple of different situations there. You got, you might be worried about somebody, and they haven't yet opened up to you. Yeah. So, um, I think if you want to try and help somebody who's in that situation, it's really useful to to think of some good sort of open ended questions to ask them. Because if you just say to them, "Oh, are you okay?" They'll probably go, "Yeah, I'm fine." Yeah. And they won't really give you enough information. So. You know, if you can find some questions like, um, you know, how are you coping with lockdown or, you know, have you seen anyone recently or have you just you know, been stuck at home with your mum and dad and, you know, have you have you talked to any other friends or, you know, you, you can ask them questions about about their, their life and try and sort of figure out if they're genuinely fine or not. But I think quite often if you ask somebody that question, they're just, they're not going to actually open up but um so i think it is worth you know if you're a friend of someone and you're worried about you've got a friend you're worried about i think it's worth being quite persistent but obviously you can't force someone to talk to you but you can open the door for those conversations can yeah you? yeah we but, you know, that... if you're trying to support someone who you know who has opened up to you and told you about their mental health problems that you know that can be really difficult for for people mm-hmm um, so some, you know, sometimes people feel quite helpless and don't really know what to do. Um, but you know, I think it's it's reassuring maybe to to tell people that even just just being there to listen to somebody might make them, you know, it can make a world of difference actually. Even if you're not able to do anything to to really help them in any sort of practical way. Yeah, especially at the moment, I think just checking in on people. You know, when you're not seeing yeah. your friends. 
just getting a message saying, you know. Because day to day to day, they slip by, don't they, in lockdown? Yeah, yeah. Before and you, you haven't seen a soul or spoken to a soul, and yeah. you know. And it's really uh, maybe it's different for us being forty-year-olds with families, but it's really easy to not ask, not talk to people on maybe yeah. message groups or whatever it might be, or phone calls, and because you kind of fall into this routine of just going, waking up, being at home, watch some telly, go to bed. It can, you can fall into these weird new routines of things quite quickly, can't you, if you're not careful? Especially when it's being yeah, forced I on think, you. I think a lot of the students that I work with, they belong to quite large um, message groups like WhatsApp or Snapchat uh, groups. Yeah. And it could be quite easy to miss if someone's not been around. Yeah. You know, if you've got a group of, say, nine or ten friends, Yeah. if one of them doesn't show up on a regular basis, it might not be that noticeable. So, mm. you know, if you're... If you're a lovely, caring person, then I think we, you know, it'd be nice to kind of look back and see who's actually been around online and, and mm-hmm. see if anyone's missing, and then re, you know, see so know if you need to reach out to them. Um, on the other, um, also, we spoke about like the power of positive mental health, didn't we, as well, and how yeah. um, mental health is not always doom and gloom; it can also be like positive mental health as well. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go into an advert advert break. Um, yeah. What do you have any kind of like any quick hints and tips for people to kind of like work on their mental health, like for positivity, like things that can be done that kind of help you just to kind of be on a level? Like for um, some... I think my sort of favourite one is about listening to your self-talk. So that's just the you know the normal everyday conversations that we have with ourselves in our heads. Yeah. You know, I'm not really talking about um, people talking to themselves out loud or. Yeah. Uh, anything like that <laughs> but yeah I think if you if you pay more attention to that you can sort of notice whether you have a like a friendly tone of voice when you're talking to yourself um, whether you you know treat yourself as a, as a friend or whether you treat yourself in quite a hostile and um, critical way so I think that's one of the biggest things that undermines our well-being actually if mm. we're if we're really actually quite horrible to ourselves yeah well, that's one of the things I learned as well. You fucking yeah. idiot. Like, you messed up again. I, and I found that I had, like, um, sayings that would, like, pop out, literally come out of, like, these kind of, like, these, like, thought beliefs. Like, for example, like, I would say with my wife, like, oh, why does no one like me? Or I'm a failure. And even though it's, like, a screensaver, I couldn't help. Yeah. It would, like, pop out. And it was, like, in in me. Like, and, even, and I didn't even realise I was doing it until after my therapy, or during the therapy time, I was looking back going, fucking hell, I actually say that literally out loud. And, yeah. like, those kind of, like, ways you beat you up and, like, learning tools to kind of, like, counteract those kind of thought processes as well, which is what I've been yeah. doing for the last, I don't know how many weeks, like, bloody months and months now. One of the cool things that I've learned as well is it's, like, called, like, three, four, five, like, breathing in for three seconds holding it for four seconds and then breathing out for five seconds and helps yeah. helps a lot with anxiety because if you're breathing out longer than you're breathing in it kind of like it counteracts the kind of like the anxiety things that are shooting around you it helps just to calm your like heart and calm your breathing as well yeah it's i think that's something to do with your is it the vagus nerve did you learn about that no it's there's a nerve that goes from the bottom of your brain yeah. down through your neck and your chest or nearer to your back, maybe. Yeah. And I think it kind of connects your um, your brain with quite a lot of your internal organs. Okay. And I think when you do all the breathing exercises and stuff like that, especially look, what you said, like about um, breathing out for longer than you breathe in, I yeah. think it's something to do with your vagus nerve and, um, you know, get, it helps to get your heart rate down and, and stuff like that. So... No, we're starting to learn a lot more about connections between physical health and your and your me- your mind, mental health. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, there's the two of the have to the mind. I don't know what you think, but like, I swear sometimes the mind makes the body can really affect the body, can't it? With like how your your body's well, feeling. Yeah, Certainly I think it works wise. both ways. Yeah. <clears throat> if you if you're in your mind, if you're feeling lethargic, then that yeah that translates to the body definitely. Um, I, I had a question. Okay, go on, uh, for Mel. How do you? You must hear some some stuff that you know. Some obviously some sad things that the kids are telling you. How do you keep that separate? Do you do you keep it separate? Do you take it home, or do you, are you able to sort of compartmentalise it? 
Um, well, I have a supervisor. So all counsellors have a counselling supervisor. So I talk to him once a month. And if there's anything that's really bothering me or if I need advice about a client, then I can talk to him about that. But he doesn't get to know any of my clients' names. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of done on a no-names basis. But, um, yeah, if it, I mean, if it's something really serious, then it becomes a safeguarding concern. And there's other people at school that I can talk to about that. But if it's if it's not a safeguarding concern, but it's still something a bit kind of upsetting, then, um, you know, I think most of the time I'm actually quite good at not dwelling on it too much. But occasionally you do hear things that just kind of get to you. And, um, you know, there have been one or two students over the years, or, or, or adult clients actually, who, who um, yeah, you know, they do keep me awake a bit at night, okay, just only occasionally. Most mm-hmm. of the time I'm, I'm able to kind of leave the leave their problems alone and, and not keep, you know, worrying about them from one week to another. Do you learn that? Is that a trick you learn, like, in when you're training, or is that just something that you have to kind of force yourself? Because I don't know if I could do that. I think I would be well, chewing about stuff all the time. It's genuinely something I've thought about doing in the past, like, like start becoming something like you and studying counselling and stuff, but I think that's, yeah, I think that's what I think you can me. actually learn it with training. Yeah, to not get over involved, mm. and it's not always easy. And counsellors are not perfect, and we do sometimes, you know, perhaps get over involved and then realise that we've made a bit of a mistake. But um, I think that you know, when you're trying to help somebody else as a job, I think you you have to sort of. Um, I, th- I do think you do have to kind of compartmentalise it a bit. And, you know, th- I think there's a, an, a sort of an attitude of, of believing that the person's problem belongs to them. It doesn't belong to you. You're helping them with their problem. So I think, you know, especially when I first meet someone, I'm actually usually quite nervous on a first appointment. And one of the things I do that actually calms me down and keeps me feeling okay while I'm listening to someone's story is just reminding myself that I'm there to help them with their problem. You know, even if they're only 11 years old, it's still their problem. Yeah. Tip. Yeah, it's, it's so hard, isn't it? I suppose you have to remind yourself that it's no good if, you, if your mental health suffers because then you can't help anybody, so... You've yeah, got, and you've I, got to keep it all I, yeah, there's a lot of things that get picked up that are non-verbal in counselling. So I think mm-hmm. if I was really um, getting, you know, I have, I have occasionally, like, well, more than occasionally, sometimes you do cry in a session um, if someone's telling you something really sad and it's very moving. And yeah. that's, that's kind of okay. But I think if um, I was getting too, you know, too affected by what someone was telling me that they would pick that up from body language. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so you'd have to kind of learn to keep a lid on that. Yeah, because the same with, like, I don't know, like, police officers, people working in the hospital right now with, like, COVID and stuff. It must be the same thing, like, the stress that you, you're under, those sort of things, and how you have to kind of, like, not take that home with you, and oh, it's difficult. Yeah, it must be really hard working in the hospital right now. Yeah. Yeah. Not for me. I don't think I could handle it. Yes, yeah, you just have to be a certain type of personality mm. to be good at it. So, um, moving on a little bit from all the deaths, COVID deaths, um, <laughs> we know that you, you love... Like light-hearted. Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, good old... Good old go, transition. Let's go back to safe ground. <laughs> um, Thank goodness. Bands you love in Colchester. Um, yeah. You mentioned before that, because... It's, I think it's really cool when people actually click, like, pick up on like the kind of music scene in Colchester, because a lot of the time it can kind of go unnoticed, like especially these young bands. I mean, if it wasn't for what we did, sometimes I wonder whether or not we'd kind of it would come into our radar or not. But what sort, um, what bands have you listened to or you like at the moment? Like Colchester-based bands, the young bands um, you're into? Or... Okay, I um, the first band that I ever heard of out of your sort of young bands that you talked to was um, the Verdicts. Because um, last year I was doing a little bit of work at Stanway School as well as working at CRGS. And someone at, um, at Stanway School told me about the verdicts. And I thought, I'll just, I'll just check them out and see if I can find anything online. Um, and I didn't expect them to be any good whatsoever because of how young they were. But I, 
found um, something on YouTube, and I, I don't know if it was the gig at the Arts Centre or um, maybe it might have been, um, I don't know, some, some maybe three, three wise monkeys yeah. they may have played at. I'm not sure. But anyway, I saw them and thought, actually, considering their age, you know, they're actually pretty good, and I would definitely go and see them if it were not for lockdown, yeah. if they were playing somewhere not too far from here. Um, and then... From there, I sort of discovered Anorak Patch and then Sandcastle Jesus, then the Pajama Party, and then um, this uh, flip top head who one of the Verdicts guys said have now moved away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, we we um, saw them just before Christmas, didn't we? Mm-hmm. They're back in Colchester for a bit. I think they're at uni. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. and I don't know if you've had the, have you had a band called Grebo? Have you had them on yet? They haven't been on the podcast, but we, we have them on our cultures to playlist. They're on our radar, yeah. good and proper. They're brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve's, Steve's a big fan. I'm a big fan of Grebo. Shut Up and Listen is a, is a Stone Cold classic. Yeah. I do. I, I love, I've got a real sort of uh, fondness for songs that have some element of humour in them. Yeah. I, so, actually, they're the I, first I like band on my list. I don't know about you agree with this, but the first band I'd like to try and get to come and play in the shop yeah. when we reopen again. Um, yeah. Because that's a really good opportunity. That's the one time actually where, because I'm often doing the sound when we do gigs in the shop, I'm right at the front on my own. I'm not talking to my friends, and I'm actually like genuinely watching everything about every single song and every little bit of those bands because I'm on my own sitting there doing the sounds, and it, it's a it's a really enjoyable. Most of the time, it's a really enjoyable experience. Actually, kind of like immersing myself right at the front um, of the bands, and like yeah, I've had some really good genuinely like pleasurable kind of like experiences watching some of these bands like and for how young a lot of them are it's ma- it's ma- mad to think that they're that good and yeah. kind of like finding their way and it's beautiful because it's so pure they're just doing it for the love of love of music yeah. and the love of hanging out with their friends there's no yeah. cynicism and you know yeah kind of what we what we got to where it was kind of became a sort of how much money are you going to pay us yeah, that sort of thing. yeah. oh it's are the right people come to the gig and you yeah. know is there anybody here no yeah <laughs> I think there's something really uplifting about watching young people doing something creative. Totally. So whether it's being in a band or, you know, producing yeah. a painting or being in a play, whatever it is, I think there's something, yeah, I think it's kind of... I agree. And kind it, of wholesome about it. Yeah. And it's, yeah, because you're kind of like friends going through a journey together, you're, ex- you're discovering yourself, you're discovering challenges and overcoming those challenges with like your your friendships and your personalities and songs and how you're going to get to the gigs and that sort of stuff poor old parents driving around in the cars but yeah i yeah, i love it and i think it's like it's one of the best figures about what we do is like a kind of business is to have that opportunity to kind of like in- mm. give people a chance and as soon yeah, as i we, just want can i ask you can. a question oh yeah. Anything. <laughs> Do you think, in theory, it should be possible for guys in their forties to form a band and become successful? <laughs> or do you think there's some kind of unwritten rule that you can only do that if you're in your twenties? Do you know what I think? With social media, I think now it is sort of easier to get your song out there, and if your song is good enough, I think, and the way you present it. If you did a video where you didn't see the people's Do you think that faces, the age would have a big difference, and what? I think it would put people off on, at face value. I think if you heard a song, because there are examples that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, C six C six Steve, um, the whole yeah. steady. Mm-hmm. They were they were older, weren't they, when they kind of came on the scene? Yeah, I, I think it can be done. I think I think it does hold you back in some because people want new, don't they? People want new and young and fresh. As a rule, but I think if you presented it in a way, if the song mm. was good enough, mm. you could do the new and fresh, if not the young, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. There's exactly. definitely. We always have this theory <laughs> that after a while, you stop becoming as productive as a songwriter as you get older. There's something about age that has an effect on the quality of your songwriting. It sort of dulls your creativity. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. there's a lot of amazing musicians that have just kind of like blown out. Where they still pro- yeah. plod away, but they just never seem to. Yeah, it's very rare that people get better as they get older. Very rare. Mm. There are examples. Radiohead. Yeah. Exhibit A. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's uh, yes, anything's possible in this day and age if you if you believe in it enough. Why not? And also, as I said, it's not also about becoming famous 
per se. It's about the experience. We saw a wicked band like a few years ago in London, and they were like in their mid fifties, and they used to be a band in their twenties, and they just thought, you know what, we're going to give the band one more go. And they were Norwegian, yeah. weren't they? They went, they were, they just, they, and they just went, you know what, we all quit their jobs, and they all went on tour around Europe. And just, just for the love of it. Just for the love of do, reforming the band. And they reformed and they thought, sod it, let's do it. And it was bloody brilliant. And it was so inspiring and good and fun. Yeah. And you could feel the love. And there was only about 30, 40 people in there, 30 people. But they didn't care. They're just like, we just yeah. want to play. We just want to, we want to experience this one last time and have a good old go and have a good fun. And it was brilliant. And I've got to say, the last time we put our band back together, was it's now like two or three years ago. But So we were still old. Yeah. <laughs> But it was it was liberating it because there was no pressure on it. We were purely doing it for fun, mm. and that yeah. it wasn't to you know make it get signed, get the you know get the big yeah. record deal. Yeah. It was purely because we wanted to hang out together and make music, and so it was it, it was liberating. It was the most fun it had ever been, in my opinion. Yeah, and maybe maybe the best it ever been. I, I think so. I think because there was no pressure, we could mm. we could literally enjoy it, and so the shackles were off, and I think it was the best we ever performed. So there's a lot to be said for uh, being old. <laughs> Older. Old, rel- yeah. Age is relative, though, because we're old to a tw- 19-year-old, but we're not old to a 60-year-old. It's true. All relative. Um, so I want to move on, um, and I want to play um, a new regular feature, which Jez has invented, and it's called JD's <laughs> KP's RB. Jess Dixon's but, Cole Pilkington's Rockbusters. That's true. Right now, firstly, I've got to uh, uh, do last week's. Okay. So I'll do this very quickly. So last week's were, ooh, yummy, ecstasy plus some shit. That was Ian Brown. E and Brown. Ian Brown. And AF, the fire is burning down. Quick, save the Pac-Man machine, was, of course, Arcade, Arcade fire. fire. And I got both of them. Yeah. Steve got them, so they can be got. Uh, yep. They were got by Linda Robson, not the one from uh, Birds of a Feather, <laughs> I'm, gu- I'm guessing. But yeah, a gift voucher is on its way to you. This week, Robbo. Let's, yeah, Robbo, let's call it. Let's, yep. I need to explain the concept again, just yep. for first-time listeners. And also because Freddie, I explained it to Freddie, still didn't get it after all. He's a bit thick. He is a bit thick, yeah. He could probably hear us through the yeah. but there you go. So, <laughs> he did hear that. I give you some initials and then I give you a cryptic clue that gives you the answer that's an artist or a band. Okay. Number one. The initials are MMJ and the clue is, you know that denim coat that belongs to me that I wear when someone has died? Okay. That's one. MMJ. And number two. I'm going to feed Mr. Jackson the hurdler and Mr. Montgomery the golfer until they can't eat any more. The initials are PC. Okay, that's this week's Rockbusters. Okay. If, yeah, if you want to listen to that again, just rewind 15 yeah. seconds on your yeah. podcast. Oh, I'm going to go quiet now, trying to think of that. Oh, don't be distracted. Oh. I've got one. <laughs> I think I've got one. Oh, he's got one. Don't say it. Yeah. Tell me afterwards. Yep. Okay, um, so um, we're going to go feature heavy at the end. Uh, Mel, I'd like to ask yeah. you, if I was to say to you, who on earth would your band for life be? Who would you say? Don't I have to give you two? Yeah. So, um, um, I think he was pausing to put the music in there. <laughs> so the music goes. Yeah, that's where the music goes. You'll, you'll hear that clever edit later. <laughs> People, people who listen to this actually now will just have enjoyed that clever edit. <laughs> yep, and the lovely music. Yeah. So Ed Patel, I hope you enjoyed that clever edit. Um, okay, so, yeah, so um, our regular feature, Band for Life. Don't take 
starts with two, and let's see. Um, the two are Crowded House. <gasps> oh no. And REM. Oh, oh bloody hell, that's difficult. Oh. This, well, see, they're kind of similar bands. This is. Yeah. They're both very melodic, guitar-y. Tuneful. This is tricky. So you must have some kind. I reckon there's some kind of bad experience that you've had in the past linked to one we of love, those bands. We love both these bands. We do love both these bands. So this is going to be hard to take. Yeah. I. I mean, I don't see how anyone can hate Crowded House. I can. Really? Yeah. I think Michael Stipe's voice might put people off REM, but mm. okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go the opposite. Okay, okay. I'm gonna say REM are your band for life, and you're gonna. And I think you're going to stick in the bin, Crowded House. And I, I think the other way. You think Jess thinks the other way. Steve's got it right. Catch in there, okay, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Okay. Okay. So let's talk Crowded House first. Ha- you would erase Crowded House. Actually, on music. Saturday we listened to the whole of Woodface by Crowded House. Yeah, we did. <laughs> the first album I ever bought was a Crowded House album. Oh, I'm really sorry. That's okay. Is it the waistcoats? <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was quite hard to think of one but yeah. my approach to this was there are, there are two songs in the world that I absolutely detest and it, if they if they come on the radio I have yeah. to dash to the radio as fast as possible to turn it off mm-hmm. and they have almost like a gut churning um effect on me okay. and one of them is Weather With You yeah. Yeah. I knew it was going to be that one yeah. <laughs> so no matter what else they happen to have produced yeah. I think just that one record deserves them to be put in the bin oh, are you going to try to defend them no but yeah, I mean you're raising fall at your feet I know you're which raising all the greatest songs ever written yeah Jess and I once got stopped by the police because <laughs> we were pissed and we were sitting on someone's car, like a random person's car, about two in the morning and we were singing Fall at Your Feet by Crowded House, <laughs> trying to harmonise. No, it was actually It's Only Natural. Oh, It's Only Natural, was it? Yeah. yeah. Mm. They give you a drugs test. Yeah. <laughs> Hold us off. Um, yeah, I thought... I, I mean, you've, you've always been a massive... I think you're probably a bigger Crowdies... We were, so we've, yeah, we've seen we've been to see them, haven't we? We saw them in London. Mm. I've seen them. Oh, I've seen them a couple of times. You've even seen Neil Finn solo. Neil Finn solo. Yeah, met them. Wow. Yeah, Nick Seymour, desperately trying to get the bass player, desperately trying to buy the bass player a beer, but he wouldn't let me. <laughs> okay, well that's sad. Oh, but so on, on more positive news. Nice people. Yeah, yeah. I never met. I didn't meet Neil Finn because he didn't come into the backstage bit. Um, but uh, he was definitely in charge because it was like Neil says we have to go now and they all went alright up there yeah. Yeah, Mark the Hart the, the guitarist he was there and he was nice yeah they were really cool and Nick yeah. Seymour he said oh yeah I saw you at the st- I saw you in a gig mm, so I was chuffed chuffed badge with that mm-hmm. but yeah I, I, the fashion obviously they were quite they were, they were earlier than R.E.M. No, no, I don't think About so. the same sort of Well, time. they were called Split Ends Split Ends, before, weren't, they? weren't they? So they were probably around. Well, R.E.M. formed in, like, the late 70s. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, it's uh, on, the, on the other side of the coin, I guess. Good choice with R.E.M. Yeah. Oh, what? good. Well, I'm glad you like that one. Why do you love R.E.M.? Um, well, you know, if you're going to have to choose one band that you, you... You know, if you can't listen to anything else, then I thought I'd better go with something that's already stood the test of time. So... I can remember the first time I ever listened to them. It was in my first sort of one or two days of being at uni. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I was introduced to them by this um, guy who was just someone who lived on my um, corridor in my hall of, un- of residence. And when I just remember the first time I heard them. I think it was, I think I played the, al- the album um, Reckoning. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, just... It just sounded so totally different at the time to anything else that I'd ever heard. I just love that sort of really twangy guitar that, I don't know, there's something about it that makes that really puts it in that part of America. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that the sort of Midwest, there. in the middle of nowhere. They're always the best albums are the ones where you can picture it, you picture where it is and the narratives and you... 
it has more than just. And songs. while you were in your life, yeah. Well. Yeah. What? Uh, just, yeah, I'm. I'm a massive REM fan. Good. I, yeah. I was actually saying. They've put out a lot of albums that were really good. I mean, some of them yes. were the, the ones towards the end were a bit shit. But <sighs> yes, I agree. I didn't. I didn't even listen to the last two. I don't think. One, I think once the drummer left, Bill Berry left, it sort of all kind of tailed off for me. That yeah. that once it, like that original lineup's gone, it kind of lost lost the magic. Like Oasis. For me, but for you know, ten maybe ten albums in a row, it was oh. quality standard was yeah. so high. But his voice, yeah, I think sort of eighty-five to eighty-five to ninety-five. I think they were pretty yeah. good. And then yeah. as it got towards two thousand, they really went off the boil. But yeah, you know, there's still loads. There you go. Of got stuff, older. That's the know. thing. Got older, lost their way. As some. Yeah. What would you say is your favourite album? Um. Yeah, I think I do. I do like. I do like Reckoning, but I like all of those early ones. Mm-hmm. Life Rich Pageant for me, I think, is my favourite. Yeah. It's the fourth. But, fourth um, is that the one that's you know, got, I think yeah. I, if if I had to listen to nothing but REM, I, I, you know, I would even listen to the albums that are not so good. And I think if I persevered with them, maybe there, there might be one or two things on there that, there always that turn out oh, to really? be okay. Because he just he just write great he writes great melodies yeah. and good yeah. lyrics. Yeah. His voice is beautiful. Yeah, I like his voice. Yeah, I love I love Michael Stipe's voice. Me too. Yeah. Matt Matt hates REM. Matt, Matt they would have been one of his. Band for life. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he finds them really dull. I don't get it. Nah. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, what do so... You think of him as a, what do you think of him as a person? Matt. <laughs> <laughs> he's all right. Michael right. Stipe. <laughs> uh, he's, I think he's a great front man. I don't really know that much about his personal life. He, I don't think he kind of... Certainly when the band were active, he sort of cultivated his image that way. He was always very mysterious. He was like the enigmatic front man... Never sort of came out until he like came out as bisexual, I think, towards the end, or just gay. I, I don't remember. But he, yeah. nobody sort of knew, and of course this was before the internet, so nobody really knew much yeah. about him. So I liked I liked that about him, and I had good stage moves. I thought, yeah, he was and definitely enigmatic as a kind of performer, and yeah, his voice is just beautiful. I think he's been quite vocal about politics over the years. Or, he's certainly uh, no yes, fan of true. Donald Trump. He seems he seems to be on the right side of uh, of things. I remember when he they were winning loads of like uh, MTV awards and he was wearing a different kind of t-shirt, like slogan t-shirt, like stop, like gun control and all those kind of things in like the oh, okay. late eighties, early nineties, yeah. I think. Yeah, he's a good he's a good guy. It's a good egg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, and so to finish off this podcast, um, you had a song, didn't you, that you wanted Jess to read out? In, in his new regular yeah. feature. What song was it again? Can you remember? It was um, Push It by Salt and Pepper. God, imagine yeah, if you said something different. <laughs> I've got the right one. So what's this feature called? This feature, Jez, is called... It's called... Ooh! <laughs> Lyrics sound weird when you just read them out. Okay. You so... want to do the, yeah, the jingle. I've been doing a lot of talking, so I thought... Okay. Uh, okay, so... Um, yeah, so Push It by <clears> Salt and Pepper. Why did you choose Push It, by the way, Mel? It just came to mind when you... Yeah. When you uh, it's a great that choice. That was a new feature. It's a great choice. This is some, this is some poetry. Is it? Is it? <laughs> <clears throat> so this is Push It by Salt and Pepper. Ah, push it. Ah, push it. Ooh. <laughs> baby, baby. Baby, baby. Ooh. Baby, baby. Baby, baby. Is this about being pregnant? Ah, push it. Ah, push it. <laughs> Ah, push it. Ah, push it. Get up on this. Ow, baby. Salt and pepper's here. Now, wait a minute, y'all. This dance ain't for everybody. Only the sexy people. Oh, yeah, come a bit, on. Bit exclusive, that. Mm. So all you fly mothers, get on out there and dance. Dance, I said. Salt and pepper's here. And we're in effect. Want you to push it babe cool in by day then at night working up a sweat come on girls let's go show the guys that we know how to become number one mm. in a hot party show now push it <laughs> ah push it push it good ah push it push it real, real good. good yeah there you go yeah 
It's very moving. What do you think it's about them? It sounds like someone's giving birth, doesn't it? At the beginning, right. I thought it was. I first yeah. thought she was doing a poo. Then I thought, no, she's giving birth. Push it! It's quite feminist, isn't it? I think she's basically saying... Uh, I didn't like this line about only the sexy people. Yeah, well, the, a gentleman says that. Oh, does he? That's a sort of little uh, aside. Only the sexy people. In the middle. I listen, I listen to it on headphones on my way in, just to okay. get in the mood. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, it's a, master, a modern masterpiece. Okay, there you go. Uh, so, one, thank you for listening. Uh, push it. Hi, <laughs> um, one. Thank you. Hi, one. I finished. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Failed Rockstar Club podcast. The podcast that talks about music, a lot about mental health today, and fashion. Oh, uh, by the way, one last thing. Uh, While well, one of the subjects of uh, Conscious of Bass Bands, Anna at Patrick have got a new single out, which is called Irate, which yeah. is very good. And my boy Sam Eagle has got a... Uh... Have you listened to Sam Eagle, Mel? Um, not really. I just listened to your podcast with him, but I haven't listened to his music yet. Well, it's really freaking good. He's, I mean, I, don't, I shouldn't pick favourites, but if I had to pick yeah, somebody, he would be he would I know, my special I know if you bummed it on Instagram. Uh, whatever. Anyway, he's got a new single out called How Often as well. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the first track from an EP. So go listen to it, people, if you haven't already. Okay, so thank you very much, um, Mel Skeet, for um, taking the time to talk to us today. Um, yeah, you're welcome. This is going to be called... I don't know what we're going to call this episode. Well, let's not decide now. We can yeah. let them find out something. on their okay. browsers. It'll be called something. I'll be <laughs> yeah, there. I'll listen to it for now. <laughs> no point. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, yeah, thank you very much for listening to the podcast, um, everyone, and don't forget you can find us at bestdaysvintage.co.uk, at bestdaysvintage on Twitter, at bestdaysvintage on Instagram, at bestdaysvintage on uh, TikTok, 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 at bestdaysvintage on Snapchat, at bestdaysvintage on Facebook. You spot the pattern now. Yeah, that's it. You get, you get the, you get the idea. Um, we don't do LinkedIn. Yeah. Well, we actually are on LinkedIn. Yeah, but we don't. It's <laughs> oh, so boring. For no LinkedIn reason. It's yeah. so dull. I didn't stop, stop doing it. Um, okay, so thank you, everyone, and thank you, Mel, for listening, uh, yes, thank for you, talking Mel. to us as well. And yeah, thank you for being a regular listener. I appreciate it. Ah, push it. <laughs> Goodbye! <laughs> the nose. <laughs>